Gina Della from Pella. Get up to five years no interest, five months no first payment, and 5% same-day order savings at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. 555's been extended, but only through October 31st. See PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. First of all, most of us awoke today to the news that Colin Powell, the former Secretary of State, in my opinion, a true American hero, had passed away at the age of 84. Colin Powell, of course, um, served admirably in a number. He, he was in Vietnam, um, quickly worked his way through the military establishment after his Vietnam experience. Um, he was in the State Department. He was, I think, one of the architects um, as head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, one of the architects in the, the original Persian Gulf War. Um, went on to serve as Secretary of State under the second President Bush. And, and just, I, I think, Colin Powell, um, I think if you look back on his career, there are there are some people who would criticize him for certain decisions, including he was one of the people in 2003 as Secretary of State who went to the UN and, and made this very strong case for Saddam Hussein having weapons of mass destruction, a claim that we, we know turned out ultimately not to be true. But but I think if you look at the sum total of Colin Powell's career, you, you find it just, just a truly great American who served his country as he saw fit, and he will definitely be missed. The one thing that should not happen, and it's already starting, is Colin Powell's death should not be politicized. Now, the, the story is that, that he died of complications of COVID. And immediately this is being picked up by people saying, well, wait a second, Colin Powell was vaccinated. Does, does this mean that the vaccinations don't work and people shouldn't get vaccinated? Because look, here's Colin Powell and he gets vaccinated and he still dies from COVID. Well, it, it's a lot more complicated than that. Uh, the story is apparently Colin Powell had been treated for, he was being treated for cancer, um, multiple myeloma, which is a cancer of white blood cells in the bone marrow. So he had a significant underlying condition. And apparently what happens is with this particular type of cancer, people have compromised immune systems. It's just one of the, the things that happens as a result of the cancer. And apparently you are at much greater risk of developing severe COVID-19. They've also found that um, in these patients for this particular type of cancer that he was being treated for, vaccines are also likely to be less effective in these types of patients. So, I mean, he, he had a significant underlying health condition, which is what you typically find, not always, but it's what you typically find in people who die of COVID. Not, not always, but vaccinated or unvaccinated, breakthrough case or, or not, the most serious cases tend to be people who, again, have some sort of underlying health condition, which makes them particularly vulnerable to infection or compromised immune systems or things like that. And, and that's what Colin Powell had as a result of his cancer treatment. So I think if anybody were to look at this and say, well, this is evidence that, you know, people don't need to get vaccinated or they shouldn't get vaccinated, that that would be misreading this situation because he was in a unique health situation. I, I think you can't argue, regardless of how you feel about vaccination. I think it is impossible to argue with the fact that if you are vaccinated, you are 
less likely to get sick with COVID and you are less likely to have severe consequences if you are one of those breakthrough cases. And that's, I just, it's already kind of starting where people are saying, well, this is a reason not to get vaccinated or this shows that they don't work or things like that. That I think is an unfair and inaccurate misreading. Colin Powell, great American hero, had a particular health condition which made him more vulnerable to COVID-19 vaccinated, unvaccinated. All right. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A lot of ground to cover today, but before we move forward, let's look backward on what happened yesterday. Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears. Packers, big win over over the Bears. Solid win. But the thing that everybody is talking about, particularly if you read the Chicago papers or listen to Chicago Sports Talk, is Aaron Rodgers. And you know the play that happens. Fourth quarter, Aaron Rodgers makes the run, six-yard touchdown run that pretty much seals the game for the Green Bay Packers. He gets hit right as he's crossing the end zone. He goes down on his knees. He does that discount double check, you know, that that championship belt thing that he does um, that a couple of the Bears players had done earlier when they sacked him. So Rodgers does that. Apparently the story is there is some Bears fan, or at least some anti-Rogers fan who is in the stands looking at him as he's on his knees and he does the you know the championship belt thing and she decides to raise both hands wave at him except not use all the fingers on either hand as a matter of fact she's using one finger on both of those hands and Rogers sees this and that she's flipping him off and um he kind of shouts out all my blanking life, although he doesn't say blanking, all my blanking life, I own you. <laughs> and this is now the headline. For example, the headline in the Chicago Tribune, all my bleeping life, I own you. With a wind ceiling touchdown run and one harsh insult, Aaron Rodgers adds to the Chicago Bears misery again. And the whole discussion is, all right, whether or not... This was an appropriate response. Aaron Rodgers, he says, look, all I saw was a woman giving me the double bird, so I'm not sure exactly what came out of my mouth next. But the argument is, oh, my gosh, this guy has no class. How could you possibly do that? You should just ignore this. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Should we be upset that Green Bay Packer legend, controversial figure Aaron Rodgers, decides to mouth off to the fans after... This touchdown that seals yet another Packers win over the Chicago Bears. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? My general impression, what's Wagner's rule of life, number one? Life is tough. Get a helmet. And if you're going to make obscene gestures at Aaron Rodgers, I don't know. If he decides to respond, well, he decides to respond. All right, what do you think? 855-616-1620, we discuss next. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I own you, Roger Shells. All my blanking life, I own you. I still own you. And you know what? The, the thing is that there's not too much you can say about it because 
he he does. Now, I want you to think back a number of years. Packers fans, you will remember um, Randy Moss playing for the Minnesota Vikings and catching the one game he catches all these touchdown passes, and he kind of moons the crowd at Lambeau Field. Remember the outrage? Oh, this is no class. This is terrible. So I guess the follow-up is, all right, Aaron Rodgers, the Chicago Bears, the Packers rivalry. I'm not sure how much of a rivalry it is anymore because the truth is, most years, the Packers do, in fact, own own the Bears, and that's been the case for years and years. But Rodgers sees some lady making obscene gestures at him when he scores what's going to be the game-cementing touchdown, and you know his reaction is to say what he said. Anything wrong with that? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, Rodgers is supposed to be professional, something he lacks. Um, if the league was what it once was, he would be... Fine. Um, yeah, Jeff, I swear I've heard you and other WTMJ announcers still call Randy Moss's moon in the end zone class, uh, classlet, classless. Of course, Aaron Rodgers' statement was classless, but it was during a heated sporting event. Like you say, um, life is tough. Get a helmet. 855-616-1620. Um, how do you feel about that? I guess I, I, I look at this and I think, well, I don't know. I think classless might be a little bit strong, but I think he he's kind of having fun and he's engaging with the crowd. And this is sort of his response. And I guess the response to me of the Bears is if you don't like this, well, then figure out a way to stop him and stop the Packers. Otherwise, just go with it. Jeff, I'm a Bears fan. Rodgers did nothing wrong. The Bears fans have been giving him a hard time for his whole career. He does have the upper hand. He's proven it with... um, He's proven it with his behavior. Jeff, I think Rodgers is a jerk, spoiled brat, but at least for a few more games, he's our jerk, spoiled brat. Um, Jeff, I am very anti-Rodgers, but in this case, since the fan was flipping him off, I think the response was right on. Jeff, the truth is an absolute defense. He wasn't lying. He does own them. Go, pack, go. Let's talk to Zach in Waukesha. Hi, Zach. You're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I I loved it. I um, you know I was watching the game with the family, and they kind of missed it. You know, cause right. they kind of missed things uh, on TV. I heard it. I loved it. You know, a little showmanship. Um, football is a very physical game, um, and it's it's great. I think we need just like not too much more of it, but a little bit. I think the league is losing viewership. I love it when the players talk a little trash. You know, I don't want any Dominican Sue, you know, you know, stepping on people, you know, mooning the crowd. That's a little different. But remember when they took away touchdown celebrations? Right. Like, everyone loved it when they got when they brought them back. Yeah, because it it's kind of that entertainment sort of stuff. Yeah, if Rodgers had taken a, the football and thrown it into the crowd at the lady who was making the obscene gestures at him, that, that's kind of a different story. To me, this is kind of yeah. that that fun sort of interaction that, mm-hmm. that you get. Get. You know, basketball players do this at, at some point in time. If, if Rodgers had like gone after her and things like that, but but he didn't. He's just kind of saying, yeah. "Look, it's you know, no totally. brag, just fact." Yeah, totally different. And I know I love uh, you know you mentioned the rivalry. Um, you know, the players get into it. It's almost like they said on the, the pregame show. You know, it's almost like the college level rivalry. I mean, it's between the states. Um, you know, free agency really uh, ruined the Packers rivalry because you don't really have the you know players playing on the same team anymore um, for their whole career. It's very rare. 
Um, but, you know, I love that people who are complaining, I know it's Vince Lombardi, you know, our, our, our Packer God coach, you know, act like you've scored there before. But, right. man, it's it's fun when you see the guys having fun like that, and it's not even rude, you well, know. It's, right, and, it's it's so show, and it shows that they care. Wound, but. Right, no, thanks. And it, it shows, it kind of shows that they care and they were involved. And look, um, and, you know, you said you think that the free agency and stuff ruined the Packers-Bears rivalry. I guess I respectfully disagree with you. It ruined the Packers-Bears rivalry to the extent it's ruined. Is it the Bears suck? And the Bears have sucked for years. I mean, how many different quarterbacks have they had during the time that the Packers have had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers? You know, I mean, it's it's like this this enormous number of quarterbacks. The the fact that the rivalry has gone downhill is that the Bears have been, by and large, no good since what the the mid nineteen eighties and the Super Bowl shuffle and all. And you know, look, I I, I think. Rodgers is a different kind of cat. You know, we we've talked about that before. He's but at the same time. He's, he's, I mean, he marches to his own drummer, but you look back over this guy's career and love him or, or hate him or, you know, just think he's a prima donna or whatever. There's no question that he's been able to deliver. And so in a heated rivalry game at a key moment, if this is kind of one of the ways he celebrates and this is his response to some lady in the fan, in the crowd making obscene gestures at him, well, okay, don't, don't poke the bear. No pun intended. In this case, don't poke the packer. Uh, Matt in Burlington. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Good morning. I thought it was great, particularly after all the stuff that went on offseason with Rodgers, just to see him back as a full-fledged packer, giving it to the Bears. So yeah. he, he, he was just having fun. He was just having a good time, and it's good to see him doing that, actually. Yeah, I, think, I guess I kind of look at it like that, too. Now, one of our texters said, well, Jeff, if this was Tom Brady that, that did that, you know, how you would feel? Well, first of all, I don't think that that's necessarily Brady's personality. Secondly, I'm, I'm not sure that you would have Packers fans in the end zone um, making those kind of obscene gestures at Brady, it's just not the same. Packers, Bears, whether it's a rivalry or not, they play each other twice a year. People get really wrapped up in it. I guess the bottom line is it's kind of a game. It, forget kind of a game. It, it, it's a game. I mean, football is, I understand it's it's like life and death for many of us for three hours on a Sunday afternoon. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really affect our lives one way or the other. I think it's good to see people involved. I think it was in good fun. And I understand why Rodgers did it. Like I say, I was watching. The problem is when you, you know, carry on. And I mean, I watched the after, I don't know if it was the first sack or the second sack. I, I saw, you know, one of the Bears players. They, they mock him. You know, they do the sack, and then they're doing that that championship belt thing. You know, that that whole stuff. So they end, they end up doing it, and so that that's that's the downside of this. You know, when you know the other team makes those plays, they're going to mock Rodgers in this fashion. Well, Rodgers, it's just a little bit turnabout fair play. If the Bears want to shut him up, the better way to do it would be to figure out a way to beat the Packers, and they haven't been able to figure that way out, at least on any sort of consistent basis. And like we say, the truth is an absolute defense. The reality is the Packers do own the Bears, and Aaron Rodgers does own the Bears. Don't know how much longer that's going to be the case, but at least um, so far, that's true. Hey, you over there. You talking to me? Yeah. You want to hear something really cool? Go ahead. Make my day. WTMJ is your source for the most informative and compelling news and talk in Wisconsin. And there's something else. I'm going to make them an offer again with you. We're the home of the Packers, Brewers, and Bucks. How about that? There's no place like home. Exactly. Homegrown, home-owned. News Radio 620 WTMJ. 
Hey, 555 has been extended at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Yep, through October 31st, you can still get up to five years no interest, five months no payments, and even up to 5% same-day order savings at your initial consultation. But that's not the only reason to upgrade now to Pella Windows and Doors. You see, while others will say you have to wait three to four months or more for installation, order today and Pella of Wisconsin can install in as little as eight weeks. You heard me correctly, as little as eight weeks. Better still, every installer is Pella certified to ensure your complete satisfaction. And the Pella Wisconsin team can complete installation in as little as one day. More good news. In addition to six lines to fit your style and financing that fits any budget, a 2020 survey rated Pella Windows number one for highest value, number one for highest quality, and most preferred by Green Bay and Milwaukee homeowners. Stop by the Pella Experience Center. Get directions and set up your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Some restrictions do apply. See their showroom for details. Check them out and do it today. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. You know, the we always say that there's truth to the old adage that you should be careful what you wish for. And I think many people are looking forward to Tom Barrett leaving the the city of of Milwaukee. It's going to happen sometime, I would guess, in the next couple months, maybe before the end of the year, because as soon as he is confirmed by the U.S. Senate to be the next ambassador to Luxembourg, he'll leave, and that will kind of open up the the mayor's seat. Um, Short term, the president of the Common Council, Cavalier Johnson, is going to take over, but there is sometime within the next several months going to be an absolute free-for-all people running for the office of mayor. Now, I have been critical of Tom Barrett in the past for many things and will be critical in a couple minutes, as a matter of fact, in one of the segments we're going to do in this hour, because I think he's kind of lost energy. I I think this is inevitably what what happens. I think he's been, my opinion, been mailing it in when it comes to like a number of of serious issues. And, And I think in some respects, a change might be good. But as I've always cautioned, you know, be careful what you end up wishing for, because just because it's a change doesn't mean it's going to be for the better. Now, I bring this up because one of the people who has now thrown her hat into the ring is Milwaukee Alderman Marina Dmitrievic. And you'll remember her. She was on the Milwaukee County Board, and then she was on the Milwaukee Common Council. She now wants to be the mayor. She is an incredible, incredible liberal who would well, you want to you want to talk about taking the city way, 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 way to the left. You, you elect Marina Dmitrievic, and that would be it. She says, when I make this declaration for mayor, I'm declaring an anti-racist agenda. That means we refuse to accept some of the challenges that we can all list that are really rooted in racism. And so what she's talking about there is essentially we, we need to put more money in into this city. Um, she's talking about legislation, more effort towards violence prevention, etc., etc., all of which are good things. But the question becomes, okay, where are you on issues like defunding the police? She's a big advocate and is pushing for, let's put the whole city of Milwaukee back into masks, all those things, very, very far to the left. Now, that doesn't mean that she's going to get elected, but if she were to be elected, you would have somebody dramatically to the left of Tom Barrett. I point this out only because for everybody who wants to see Barrett go, be careful what you wish for because... 
I guess in one alternate reality, you could get Marina Dmitrievic, and I'm not sure that's what the city needs right now. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This week's sponsor for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase, presented by Great Midwest Bank, is Kohler Services. Give them a call at 262-357-3300 or visit KohlerServicesWI.com to see all they have to offer. From inspiration to installation, reimagine your bathing experience and contact Kohler Services today for a free consultation. All right. Uh, the details of this story were emerging in the latter part of of last week. You will recall you, you had the story. It was Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and you had the report of a 47-year-old woman who was hit and killed in a hit-and-run crash. And you will also recall that at the time that there was also there was a car theft slash carjacking that was going on on uh, said that the Holiday Inn Express Hotel on North Avenue, right by right by um, Mayfair Shopping Center, and at the same time, the call of the hit and run came in. There was a call about the car theft, and it, it was thought that they were going that these were related. And that was the general sense, and it and it turns out that they were okay. So here here's the story. If you have not been following it, police have arrested four people in connection with the hit and run crash. Police said there's four people in custody. They were trying to steal a vehicle at the Holiday Inn Express Hotel in Wauwatosa when a a woman saw this, tried to alert hotel staff of the incident. Now, she, the woman who ended up dead, is a Nigerian immigrant. Apparently, there were some communication issues, but she tried to alert the staff and then tried to stop the car theft that, that was going on. And what ended up happening is that... Um, she goes to try to stop this. There's an altercation between the people who are stealing the car and her. Ultimately, one of the suspects grabs her car and then drives it into her, killing her and driving off. So not only does she not stop this thing, she's killed, her car is stolen, and the other car is stolen as well. Um, police... Ultimately, later on that that next night, this happens like early in the morning on Thursday, 8.40 p.m., police find the the people together. Now, the dazzling detail of of this story, and it's horrible just on its face, but the dazzling detail on this story is the people who were involved in this. Four teenagers. All right, now, it it shouldn't be a surprise. We were first talking about this story last week. I mean, I said, look, I don't know. They haven't released any details about this. But you know, all likelihood, this is going to be juveniles who are involved. But admittedly, when I was thinking juveniles, I was thinking 16- and 17-year-olds. Four juveniles, a 13-year-old male, a 14-year-old female, and a 15-year-old male and female. So... Two boys, two girls. The boys are 15 and 13, respectively. The girls are 15 and 14, respectively. Those are the four people who are involved in this murder, and they are involved in the multiple car thefts. Now, again, this is when I when I sit back and I think about this. This is, of course, a school night. I understand that sounds kind of silly to say in the city of Milwaukee or in Wauwatosa, like people pay any attention to this. But you, you've got. You know, four kids 
who are out trying to boost a car from a hotel parking lot by Mayfair Shopping Center, 1230 at night on a school night. Woman sees this, tries to intervene, and for her trouble, her car gets stolen and she ends up dead. All right. She ends up she ends up dead. Um, the police now in this particular case, they've they've caught the, the four and they are at least as of, you know, last last heard from. They're in the Milwaukee County Juvenile Justice Center. Now, the Juvenile Justice Center, you, that's that's sort of you, you put that in quotation marks, because when it comes to justice and juveniles in Milwaukee County, you, you don't get a lot of that. All right. Wauwatosa, along with the city of Milwaukee and other areas, has just an incredibly high vehicle theft rate. Um, in this particular case, it's not necessarily like the, the type of car that's involved, but you've got four punks that are on the, on the road late at night, school night, who have no regard for human life. And their response to being confronted by a 47-year-old woman, an adult, is to, all right, let's steal her car, run her over, and leave her for dead. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think it's way past time to just keep talking about this stuff. I, I think we need to have a recognition that what we are doing with juveniles is just not working. Now, I don't know for sure, but my guess is if the public finds out about the behavior of these four kids, my guess is at least two of them, maybe all of them, will have been through the quote-unquote juvenile justice system on multiple occasions before, and nothing will have happened to them. When we look at the juvenile court proceedings, the idea is we don't think juveniles need to be held accountable for their behavior. And what we always want to do is we want to find the least restrictive alternative. And what we want to do is we don't want to tarnish the juvenile's background. Juvenile justice proceedings, your juvenile court proceedings are in general secret. You, you cannot find out dispositions. So unless these four thugs, and yes, Oh, you're calling a 13-year-old girl a thug? Yeah, they, they they stole cars and left somebody for dead. Yes, yes, they are thugs. So unless they get waived into adult court, in all likelihood, you're never going to even know the names of these people. We, the general public, are not going to be able to find out what they did before this, what they do after this, and in many cases, what the disposition is, because we want to protect the juveniles. At what point in time do we realize that this is not Andy of Mayberry anymore? This is not Leave it to Beaver in 1957. This is a bunch of out-of-control kids for whatever reasons, right? I, what, whatever reasons. you probably got parents who, if they are in the scene, are, are plugged, are just completely unplugged. Maybe it's grandma and grandpa. Maybe it's aunt and uncles that are raising them. Don't know. But you've clearly, you know, got parents who aren't really that in tune with the kid's background, or else they would know where the 14-year-old was at 12.30 or 1 o'clock at night, and they'd probably have taken steps to make sure the kid wasn't out boosting cars. But at some point in time, we've got to recognize that we are not holding people accountable. And I think it's time to completely and totally revamp the juvenile justice system. I think the public has every right to know 
who, for example, these kids are, regardless of whether or not they're waived into adult court. We have a right to know what their prior records are. We have a right to know what their disposition is. We have a right to demand that they end up being held accountable. And I say that not just for these four, but I say it for any of these kids that are out on the street, caught stealing cars repeatedly, doing all this stuff. We've got to recognize that this idea of protecting, protecting and sheltering these quote-unquote children because they don't understand the consequences of their behavior is absolutely crazy. All four of those kids the other night knew exactly what it, they were doing when they went out to steal the cars, and then when they stole the other car, when the woman confronted them, and then when they hit her and left her for dead. All of them knew exactly what they were doing. How much more of this are we going to tolerate? 855-616-1620. We discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. At some point in time, don't we have to be honest with ourselves and realize that what we are doing now when it comes to youth crime is not working? And and what's happening is you have kids that are running wild. They are committing what I think most of us would describe as adult crimes. One of our texters says it's like Lord of the Flies meets Escape from New York. It is, with no fear of accountability at all. Go out and steal a car. All right, four hours later, after you're caught, you're going to be back on the street stealing another car. Then do that, and then the next night, you're back out on the street, and you can steal another car. And unless and until you're finally fleeing from the police at 95 miles an hour, and you hit and kill somebody, well, then and only then might you be held accountable. My I guess is these four thugs who were involved in the death of the woman last week at 1230 at night, 13, 14, 215 year olds. My guess is they have been through the juvenile justice system before. Could be wrong. Could they could have just awakened one morning, decided, hey, tonight's the night we're going to go steal cars and kill somebody. Maybe that's the case, but it, but it doesn't matter. Even if this was their first time at the rodeo, and my guess is it wasn't, that this is an systematic problem where people are put back out on the streets over and over again to terrorize the community. How many people need to die? How many more people need to have their cars stolen? How many more people need to be injured before we realize we have a huge problem with youth violence, with this type of activity, with a complete and total disregard for life. And how much longer before we realize that this is not, like I was saying earlier, it's not we're, it's not Mayberry in 1961. It is the mean streets of Milwaukee and now Wauwatosa in 2021. Let's start with Chris in Cedarburg. Hi, Chris. You're on WTMJ. Hi, how are you? Good. What do you think? Great. Well, you know what I think is, you know, unfortunately, um, we are always going to have bad seeds. And I hate to say bad seeds, but that's just the way it is. And whether it be a family dynamic, um, I think now for everybody's safety and uh, our future, we we are going to have to crack down on um, the juvenile offenders and young people for doing it. It's never going to get fixed because it's only going to get worse is maybe they turn into rapists or murderers or bank robbers or whatever in the future it's going to get worse and we can't save the world so if the parents aren't going to um, help in this situation and there aren't uh there is not a revamp in programs we are going to lose um part of a generation and, and i want to save my family i'm sorry that's just the way it is 
Yeah, well, you know, no, you're right. And, and, you know, thanks for call, Chris. And I think you can make a strong argument that maybe we have lost that, that generation. You know, and of course, we, we've got a governor who is trying to move away from the idea of accountability. And, you know, and he's talking about, well, you know, we, we need to provide them with skills and support and structure and all those things. And, and by the way, I, I don't disagree with the concept of this, but I disagree with the results because what we have done thus far by not holding kids accountable has had the effect of enabling the, these kids, emboldening the kids. You talk to almost any law enforcement officer around here and they'll tell you one of the biggest frustrations they have when it comes to oh let, let, let's just take car thefts it's it's the juveniles that are out there they do it they run from the police and and they just they laugh about it because they know that there's nothing that is going to be done to them and they, they know the da's office as a matter of policy isn't going to wave them into adult courts they're not going to even try to do that again unless you hit and kill somebody. Well, if that case, maybe that's going to happen. But if just you know you're stealing a car, or you and a couple of your low life buddies go out, you steal a car, you flee from the cops at ninety miles an hour, and you don't kill somebody, even if you get caught, you're not going to be held accountable. You'll be taken to juvenile justice. They'll let you go in three or four hours. They'll send you home to mom and dad who don't care anything about you, regardless. Then you're out on the street doing the same thing again, and the same cop will arrest you, you know, three days later for the same thing. We, we've got to recognize that it's time to start holding people accountable and if that means if that means sending people off to controlled secure detention facilities well there's a reason why we have secure detention facilities it is to protect the rest of us from this sort of behavior who was there protecting this 47 year old woman the, the other night and the answer is nobody mike in oak creek mike you're on wtmj Hey, how are you? Hi, Mike. What do you think? Hi. Um, uh, one, love your show. Uh, two, you know, I, I'm a pretty educated individual, but I'm naive when it comes to to who initiates these changes. Because I agree with you. I think a lot of people, myself included, and then listening to to again mm-hmm. six twenty and the talks that we have, that a, a lot of people are just fed up with this and, mm-hmm. and the crime and the stealing. But <laughs> I guess I don't know. Is is it the mayor? Is it no. Is it the judges? Is it who? Who do we need to talk to that, no, that's fair, not listening to okay. get these done? Okay, fair question, Mike. Thanks, thanks for going. I'll give you a couple ideas. Fair question. First of all, I think it starts with the legislature. Yeah, and, and I understand there's this tendency to blame Madison, but it starts with the legislature. I think we have to take a long look at the juvenile justice code and recognize that that's not working. Where we talk about least restrictive alternatives, and we're not going to we're going to protect the identities of juveniles we're not going to let the public know what's going on we're not going to have disposition we're not going to make dispositions public it's time to change that i mean if you're living down the street from some juvenile delinquent who's you know a chronic car theft thief i I think you want to know those same privacy laws also shield the judges so you can't find out what's happened and what the dispositions are so i think it, it starts with a complete revamp of the juvenile justice system. Now, I'm not naive because there's a lot of people, including the governor, who don't want to see that happen. They don't want to have more accountability. Their answer is, okay, well, we need to have more midnight basketball. We need to be more understanding. We need to have more programs. Well, okay, I'm not opposed to programs, but I am opposed to not holding people accountable. Then... 
It also, I would love to see some of our elected officials use their bully pulpit to call out the juvenile court justices, call out the DA's office to say, look, this is what this kid did. This is the fourth or fifth time this kid has done it, and they're still in the juvenile justice system. And as far as we can tell, there's no sort of accountability. I'd like to see that bully pulpit being done. Yes, and as far as the judges, yeah, you, it's a joke. Juvenile courts are a joke right now. And the juvenile court bail system is a joke and cars are being stolen. People are being robbed and now people are being murdered because we don't find that joke to not be funny. What more is it going to take? Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. One of our texters says, Jeff, do you think they will ever find Brian Laundrie's? Yeah, I, 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 my response was, assuming he's alive, yes, I, I don't think he's clever enough to stay missing forever. But, you know, who, who knows? You know, who, who knows? It, it's just like one weird story after another. The one, of course, we're following here locally, and it was the lead story on Mike's News. And um, everybody's still looking for this, this three-year-old boy that's missing major p harris for people who haven't been following the story he's been missing since early thursday morning when a stranger found his mother 25 year old woman from Alaska, dead in the backyard of a home in the 2600 block of north 37th street in milwaukee so here you have you know yet another on the killing fields of milwaukee you have this woman who's dead lots of questions you know why did she come from Alaska down to you know milwaukee what she was she doing here why did she bring along the kid but they were focused and this was if you were watching television over the weekend there were a number of amber alerts that were put out there Um, police were looking for a a 20 year old guy who was considered a, a person of interest in the homicide of the woman and a a suspect in his death around four uh, in her death Around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, police go to this house on North 31st Street where the suspect was believed to be. About 15 minutes after officers arrived, two gunshots were fired. Um, Police believe that the guy that they were looking for in connection with the Amber Alert and with the the murder of the woman um, killed himself. That's the theory that they're operating now. So you've got the the mother that's dead. You've got the, uh, again, homicide suspect kidnapping suspect dead and nobody knows what's happened to the three-year-old and everybody's i mean hoping for the best and i I just it's just one of these terrible sort of situations that again just reflective of the out of control bizarre and just random crime that goes on 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 the streets of milwaukee and it's getting worse it's not getting better all right, I've been waiting all week to discuss the weekend to discuss this issue with you. Uh, the woman's name is Ruth Marcus. She is an extremely liberal editorial page writer for the Washington Post. All right, so that that's kind of the background. The Washington Post, the editorial page, is extremely liberal. She is extremely liberal. So she takes to Twitter the other day to tisk tisk and people or at least a person based on an incident that's happens here here is her tweet um she says in madison wisconsin so this is the tweet so she is in madison in was in madison wisconsin by now i should know better but i get in the elevator 
It stops on a lower floor. Man steps in, unmasked. Sign in elevator says masks required. Me, getting out of the elevator, say, you know it would be really nice if you wore a mask. The man looks at me and says, I don't care what you think. (laughs) And she says, America 2021. So she's in this elevator. Guy gets in. He's not wearing a mask. This is Madison, of course. So there's a sign that says you're supposed to wear the masks, you know, inside in these enclosed spaces. Um, She tells him she doesn't like this. You should be wearing a mask. And as she gets out of the elevator, he's saying, I don't care what you think. So she she puts this up on, on Twitter. And as you might expect, she gets a huge response to to this. Um, number of people kind of take her to task for this. So she starts by doing a follow-up. She says, it's a rule. It's a county rule. Face coverings are required when people ages two and older, when in any enclosed open space to the public, where other people except for members of the person's own household or living unit are present. So she's going, I'm, I am perfectly fine to be outraged by this because it's, it's a rule. He wasn't wearing a mask. Here's a sample of, of some of the response that Ruth Marcus got. Let's see. Um, somebody says, you're giving off strong hall monitor, hall monitor energy. Um, somebody else says, corporate journalists are a bigger plague on America than COVID. Somebody else, tongue-in-cheek, says, thoughts and prayers. Are you okay? Somebody else says... Um, Laugh out loud. I mean, I don't care what you think. It's not just America 2021. It's been America since 19, since 1776. This country was literally founded on rebellion against tyranny. Liberty is prioritized here. Um, let's see. Somebody else says, no regrets. And I'll say it again if you get in my elevator again. Somebody else says, but Ruth, your mask and vaccine protect you. Or, or don't they protect you? Um, another one says, Ruth, you're vaccinated and masked. How is one more mask in this equation providing you with any measurable additional protection? I mean, honestly. And then it goes on from from there. But she continues to be outraged by this. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How would you have handled this? Right? She's in the elevator. It's Madison. Um, she notices that the guy gets in, doesn't have the mask on, fine. They they ride two or three floors, whatever it is. She gets out, and she decides that she's going to comment on the fact that the guy's not wearing the mask, and he responds to her, lecturing him about not wearing the mask, by saying, I don't care what you think. <laughs> 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, who's right in this? Who's wrong in this? Is she does she have a legitimate basis to be outraged? Is this hall monitor um, energy, or is this well? He wasn't following the rules. You know, she had every right to tell him, and you know, she had every right to be offended when he just simply didn't say, "Oh, you're right. I'm sorry." Eight five five six one six one six twenty. What do you think about this? We discuss in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, this is one of those stories where, where I think I don't think anybody's right. Now, now, first of all, I think if if the regulations 
say that you're supposed to wear a mask, and of course this is the People's Republic of Madison, if the regulations say you're supposed to wear a mask, then you should wear a mask. doesn't matter if in this particular situation there's any real chance that you're going to spread COVID. That, that doesn't matter. The rules say you're supposed to wear a mask, so the guy is wrong for not wearing the mask in the elevator. Having said that, the idea that the Washington Post editor, deputy editorial page uh, writer who's in this elevator for just a few seconds, I mean, you're, it's only going a couple floors, the idea that, that she finds it necessary for her to be the, the hall monitor police and lecture the guy on this, I, I think I would have skipped that as well. As far as his response, well, okay, once she engages and brings this up, this is what ends up happening. I guess I don't see this as a huge big as a huge deal anyways. I think you should have worn the mask because that's what the rules say, whether or not she needs to demonstrate her superiority by taking him to task. That's a whole different story. Maybe the better response would be to go complain to somebody in authority. There's a guy in the there's a guy in the elevator who's not wearing a mask. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I can say this though: if something like that happened to me, I, I don't know that I'd feel compul- com- uh, compulsion to go on Twitter and make it seem like I'm this huge victim because, oh, I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. This guy gets in and he's not wearing a mask. Can you imagine that? And then when I told him, when I told him you're supposed to be wearing the mask, he he kind of smarted off to me. Can you imagine that he would do this? I, I think that's sort of an overreaction as well. I don't think any of them are right. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Tony in Milwaukee. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jeff. What do you think? Jeff, when I hear these stories, I, I, I go, who cares? And the reason I'm going to say that is I watch all these college football games and pros over the weekend and see 80, 90, 100,000 people without masks cheering. And, you know, and, and then I saw two teams that were upset. And then after the game, 30,000 are on the field about an inch of away from each other, mm-hmm. all with their mouths open. And it does this matter anymore? Well, I, I think that's fair, and, and, and I understand exactly what you're saying, Tony. At the same time, I mean, the rule in the People's Republic of Madison is that if you're in these enclosed spaces, you're supposed to have a mask on. So that is, in fact, the rule. So even if the rule doesn't really make that much sense because nobody's wearing a mask at the UW games, for example, shouldn't the guy have followed the rule in the first place? Yeah, if the yeah. rule says that, he should. But, you know, it, uh, for someone to get that crazy and upset is is ridiculous because just what I see every weekend. I don't know what else to say. No, no, thank Well, no, and I think that, no, no, and, and see, that, that's kind of my reaction. If it, That's how I looked at it. Okay, the rules say you're supposed to wear it. I, I'm not sure, though, that it's the role of individual citizens that they decide that, that, that they're the ones that are going to have to in, enforce this rule or alternatively lecture the people who, who aren't enforcing the rule. That that's for Isn't that for somebody else? But I, I do find it interesting that the lady figures that now I've got to go on Twitter and I've got to create this, oh, I, I'm this, this sort of victim mentality. Can you believe it? I was in Madison and this guy got in and, and he, didn't, he didn't have a, a mask on. Oh, oh, kind of the horror. And I'm like, well, okay, he, he should have had a mask on. But at the same time, right, of all the different things that I'm going to get bent out of shape and worked up about, I, I'm not sure that this is the one that's going to do it. Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. I agree with you that she didn't have to have to go on Twitter and make a big deal out of this thing. But the fact is, is that the rule was the rule. Yep. The fact is that that that. Uh, if I walk into a club and the club says, hey, you have to uh, take off your hat, and I refuse to take if somebody says, hey, you need to take off your hat, 
yep. then, then, then I need to take off my hat. But the fact is that he wanted to make, he, he wanted to be belligerent about the whole thing, but she didn't have to go uh, and, 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 and put it all on Twitter and, and right. make a big deal out of it. And I agree with you, Vincent. So, let, let me go she back to your said, example, yeah, though. You should be wearing a mask and stepped out of the elevator. Right. Let me go back to your example, though. Okay, you're, you're in the nightclub, and the, the nightclub's got a rule against hats, and so you're wearing the hat. Is it... Is it the responsibility of the guy or the gal at the table next to you to come up and say, sir, no, we got a no hat rule here? Or would you expect it would be the nightclub owner or the bouncer or the bouncer? Yeah, or the bartender or somebody. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You would think that that would be their responsibility. But if somebody had mentioned it, oh, yeah, man, you're not supposed to be wearing a hat in here. You know that, right? <laughs> right. And so I'm sure somebody could say that to me. But the fact is, right. I don't think that person would go and say, well, hey, this guy came in here with a hat right. on. And they, they <laughs> right. But, yeah, no, thanks. For going. See, I, I'm with you. And, and I think for, for most of us, um, for example, when we were when we were on the uh, river river cruise in in france uh, a couple weeks ago they had a rule that you were supposed to wear masks when you were in the hallways when you were in when you were in like the, the lounge or the restaurant you didn't have to wear masks but like going back and forth to your stateroom you were supposed to and i i think you know for for most people it, it was just something you, you forgot it, it wasn't it really wasn't necessarily intentional i always had a mask in my back pocket but sometimes you would just forget and on occasion you know that you'd have like one of the ship staff and they'd say sir you know i'm asking you know and you say oh sorry and you pull it out and you put your mask on it was really just the situation of forgetting but i don't remember there was ever i don't ever remember a situation where like an, another patron would have gone up to okay we're cruising on the ship there's somebody else walking down the hall i don't know that i would have taken it upon myself to say did you see that person wasn't wearing the mask just not necessarily my responsibility this is uh, one of the tweets is kind of funny um so she sends this out. The response to her was corporate journalist playbook. Act like an insufferable jackass with BS opinions. Get told on Twitter that you are an insufferable jackass with BS opinions. Complain Twitter is a toxic environment. Declare acquisition of much coveted victimhood status. It just, it's, it's, I, I just, again, I look at this story and I found it to be interesting because I, I don't find, I, there's no no victims here. There, there's no winners here. Yeah, he should have had the mask on. The rules say even if you're not a mask person, even if you're fully vaccinated, I understand the rule still says you should have a mask on. Now, you can argue that it's a stupid rule, um, especially given, you know, where we are and if you're vaccinate, vaccinated and things like that. You can argue that it's a stupid rule. I get it. But, okay, City of Madison has all sorts of stupid rules. It's one of their rules. He should have had the, should have had the mask on. Her, though, deciding I'm going to as I'm walking out. And, and again, it, it wasn't when he got in. She didn't say, here, you need to put a mask on because I'm afraid I'm going to get sick. It was as she was walking out of the elevator that she, and you can just tell, this was kind of this condescending sort of thing. You really should do that. I mean, I don't. I don't know that his response, it's not like he cursed at her or anything, but I do find it interesting that this brief encounter in the elevator, it couldn't have taken more than 30 seconds tops, that this then provokes her to go on Twitter and just she's just outraged that somebody would even talk back to her, oh, this is America in 2021. Well, I think, you know, everybody here desperately needs to get a life. But I really like this story because I, I'm sure this, this happens all the time, especially if you're in one of those communities that still have the, the mask rules. I mean, how do you deal with somebody, especially in a limited sort of environment where you come into contact with them and they're not in compliance with the rule? Is it your job to enforce that rule? 
And then if they don't respond the way you think it, you know, do you go to Twitter and try to pretend that you're just absolutely aggrieved with this? Like I say, it's tough for me to be too sympathetic to anybody in this particular story. But if the rule is the rule, you know, wear the mask. But if somebody's not wearing the mask, maybe, you know, you should, I don't know, instead of handling this yourself, maybe you should find the appropriate authority and complain. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Thomas Jefferson is generally recognized as the founder of the modern Democratic Party. For for people who aren't familiar with, with Thomas Jefferson, he was arguably along with George Washington, I would say that the two most prominent founding fathers. Um, he was, during the Revolutionary War, he was uh, the United States Minister to France. Uh, he was the nation's first Secretary of State under George Washington from 790 to 793. Um, he was the, the pretty much recognized as um, the, the architect, the principal author of the Declaration of Independence, he became the third president of the United. He was the he served as the vice president of the United States under John Adams, who was the second vice president of the United States, and then um, he became the third president of the United States from 1801 to till 1809. All right, so I mean, Thomas Jefferson is generally recognized as as the real deal. Um, in addition to that, Thomas Jefferson was originally from Vir- Virginia. He was a, a Virginia planter, and in in that context, again, you know, growing up in Virginia and being a Virginia planter, this is of course in the 1760s and the 1770s. Um, we 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 had slavery, and Thomas Jefferson, at one point in time, ended up owning about 600 slaves for the plantation. Now, as time went on, he 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 moved away from the issue of slavery, but they but they had he he was he was a slave owner. He also um allegedly at least fathered six children with one of those slaves, um Sally Hemings, who um was his his paramour or whatever. But anyway, event Thomas Jefferson has been even with that that history of slavery, Thomas Jefferson has for you know the the better part of well you know for two hundred plus years has been celebrated as a great American statesman and one of the founding fathers for whom again w- without Thomas Jefferson, do you have the Declaration of Independence? you know who knows all right, so here's the deal for more than one hundred years, there's been a seven foot tall statue of Thomas Jefferson, which has towered over members of the New York City Council in their chamber. So it's it's over 100 years old. It's this towering statue of Thomas Jefferson. The statue, um, which sits on this five-foot-tall pedestal, is a model of a bronze statue of Jefferson that is on display in the United States Capitol Rotunda 
in Washington, D.C. It was commissioned in 1833 by a guy named Uriah P. Levy, the first Jewish commodore in the United States Navy, to commemorate Jefferson's advocacy of religious freedom in the armed forces. So that that's the deal. This is in the cap. The, the original of this capital, uh, this statue is in the Capitol Rotunda in D.C. And this statue, the replica of it, for the last hundred years, has been in the New York City Council building. Well, I, I say has been because later today, the, the Common Council, the Public Design Commission, is going to vote on getting rid of the statue. Apparently, they are going to remove it um, from City Hall, and they are going to send it to the New York Historical Society. So it's not like it's going to be destroyed, but it's going to be moved out of City Hall. The reason is because some members of the city council's black, Latino, and Asian caucus have said they are offended by this and they have demanded that it be removed. Here's what one of the assembly people say. How the hell can people see as a hero someone who had hundreds of enslaved Africans, someone who was a racist and who said we were inferior, and someone who was a slave-holding pedophile? Um, for him to be canonized in a statue is incredible. I think this is incredibly racist. And we need to take this down. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, just like many of the Founding Fathers, Thomas Jefferson was not a perfect individual, especially if you judge his life in the late 1700s by the standards of 2021. All right, I, I think we, we can accept that. As I've said before, slavery, clearly the original sin in the United States. But, you know, he was a Virginia planter. So this is this was the accepted practice in the United States at that time. And you can be, it can be abhorrent, and obviously it was abhorrent and things like that. But on the other hand, you've got this scale that's out there, and you see all the things that Jefferson did. And in New York, apparently... The statue commemorating him, well, it's just too controversial. 855-616-1620. And by the way, if we take the replica out of New York City Hall, do we need to take the real thing that sits in the Capitol Rotunda? Do we need to take that down as well? 855-616-1620. Or do we need to maybe just recognize that the people that we are commemorating, our founding fathers, were not, in fact, perfect, but on balance... You know, even with a nuanced approach, we can still recognize and celebrate their accomplishments, even if they weren't perfect. 855-616-1620. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, if you're just tuning in, the, the statue of, of Thomas Jefferson, third president of the United States, the principal author of the Declaration of Independence, has stood in the New York City Council chambers for over a hundred years. It's a replica of a statue that has been in the Capitol Rotunda since 1833. Today, New York City Council is going to vote to remove this statue because members of the Minority Caucus are offended by it. They say, we can't be honor- honoring Thomas Jefferson because even though he did all this stuff, don't you realize that he also, at one point in time in his life, owned slaves? As a matter of fact, he fathered six children with one of those slaves. He was a pedophile. We have to take this down. 855 616 
text. Jeff, we cannot change history, but if we keep erasing it, we will be doomed to repeat it. Jeff, we can remove everything that is connected with our early history, and it changes nothing. We, why can't we accept that our past was not always perfect, but we still have a great country and a history that is worth preserving. Um, Jeff, presumably the statue has been there for years. Yes, it's been there for over a 100 years, as a matter of fact. It's always amazing to me how all of a sudden it has to go. We have always known Jefferson owned slaves, etc. Um, we have always known the contributions he made to this country despite being a slave owner. We should be able to recognize this as part of history. Leave the statue. Of course, this ties into something we've talked about before in this program, that in, in Madison, which is named after James Madison, who was the president after Jefferson, um, Madison was also a slave owner, and now you have this push to do away with anything related to Madison, including the fact that they're now in the process of changing the name of Madison, James Madison Memorial High School in Madison because they think it is offensive and people can't go to the school without being triggered and having all these things, to which I, I respond, I mean, seriously, if, if that's going to be a triggering event, if you're seriously going to be triggered and upset by walking into the city council, but in the city council room and seeing this huge statue of Thomas Jefferson, you really do desperately, I think, need to get a life. Gianni and Montello, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon, Jeff. Great show. Hey, uh, listen, I, I think the, the statue stays. And if, in fact, um, one of our founding fathers, our third president, was a slave owner, I don't think that's in debate, and, and a pedophile, then you solve that with an asterisk. Um, but why erase history? What say you? I know I'm with you. I mean, again, you you, you always have to understand context and times were, were different. And I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. The, the term pedophile was not mine. It was one of these city council members who was was throwing that around. I, I mean, it's a it, it's. It, you always have to understand the the context of these things. I mean, I don't claim to be an expert on Jefferson's relationships with this particular woman, but it was a long-standing sort of thing where he took her as his mistress and all that. And I, I'm I'm no way, shape, or form am I condoning this, but I, I am pointing out that Thomas Jefferson did a lot of really, really good things. And if we're starting to concentrate on trying to figure out ways to bring us all together and ways to better various communities and make life better for, for people who need life being made better for them, I, I find these conversations to be exhausting. It's one thing if we're talking about, all right, do we want to take down a, a statue of a Confederate war general? All right. But this isn't that. These are founding fathers, for example. This is the guy who was the principal author of the Declaration of Independence. And yes, his background and his history is is nuanced. We'll use that word for want of a better one. And certainly judged by 2021 standards. Well, you know, anybody who was a slave owner, you, you wouldn't do that now. But we have a different standard now than we did back then. I guess it's stuff like this that just makes my head want to explode because this is how we spend our time talking about the outrage. And I really do seriously wonder whether any of the people in New York City Council who are pushing for this, are they really outraged or are they just pretending to be outraged because, I don't know, they think it plays well to a certain uh, part of their constituency? Oh, we got a lot of stuff coming up in the two o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
Melissa Barclay, are you a browser or a, a buyer? By, by that I mean that there's two types of, of shopping that, that people can do. You can either say, hey, I, I love to go to the store and I love to walk up and down aisles and I love to look at different things and see what's out there. That's that's the, the browser, the, the that type of shopping. And then there's people like me who who just hate that and and we're, we're buyers you you see something or you know you need it i need this or whatever and you you just you figure out the easiest way to buy it and then you buy it which one of those two are you i think after the pandemic i'm more of a buyer i just go and i get it but i have to say if i'm in target i'm kind of a browser buyer like i i, I have things i'm going for but i'm also kind of browsing a little bit too and throwing probably too much in my cart <laughs> well that, well i mean i that, that's how i've said this before that's how i was at target my mm-hmm. my my late wife whenever i would get on her nerves which was probably often you know she'd, she'd say take twenty dollars and i used to be able to this is this is i'm dating myself but i used to be able to go out and i i could spend an hour at target with yeah. twenty dollars just oh. walking up and down the aisles <laughs> oh here's here's a tire pressure gauge right. Joe, for 2.99 i'll take it i, I never nothing you ever use it but i don't think i have one or, or oh this is back in the i'm really dating myself and they still had like the, these bins with these cassette tapes that oh were yeah like a dollar nine I was like, now or whatever you need a hundred dollar bill well, to go to target exactly to do the same thing <laughs> yeah. right but no but i so I, I could just walking up and down and looking for mm. for stuff it's relaxing okay i think but as i have gotten older i have 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 moved away from that and i am just i'm i'm really wondering how some brick and mortar stores particularly things that that sell stuff that you don't necessarily need to see to to see or feel or touch or try on are going to survive and here's my story melissa so um i'm i'm an avid reader matter of fact my my wife fran makes fun of me because there's always She's going, you know, you've, you've got all these books that you're probably never going to read, and you still buy all the, these new books. But, but what will happen is I'll, I will be intrigued by something. Like I'll, I'll see, I'll be reading the New York Times, the Sunday Book Review, or the Wall Street Journal on Saturdays. They've got book reviews. And I'll see that, or I'll, I'll see, hey, there's this book that's coming out that sounds interesting, and I'll, I'll order it, and it'll come in. And I, I, I try to I probably read two or three books a week, and so I go through them a lot. And, and yes, I have this huge stack that sometime – you know, in another life I intend to get to, but that doesn't mean I'm not getting new books. So um, it was Saturday. Wall Street Journal has a, and this is this is this obscure thing which shows how my mind works. It has this book review of a new book that's coming out or has come out that that talks about Vichy France in 1943. The, the Vichy government was like the the German puppet government in in France, and we just got back from France and stuff. And so I read the review, and and that doesn't sound that interesting to me. But the guy who was writing the review, he he's written books about this, and he's got a book about France in in World War II, 1940 to 45, about the, the when Ger- it was occupied by Germany, and. That 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 sounds kind of interesting to me. You know, not the book he was reviewing, but I thought that kind of sounds interesting to me. So I, I go on Amazon, and, and it's got interesting reviews and stuff, and it's about six years old. It was written in 2015. They've got a paperback version of it. it it's 18 bucks, And so I hit the one click. I order it. Now, this is Saturday. This is an obscure book. They cannot se- – I, I mean, it, it's a six-year-old paperback of – France under the German occupation from 1940 to mm-hmm. 1945. You know, it, it's not going to be <laughs> yeah. on the New York Times bestseller. You need somebody with this odd and eclectic taste that would, would jump on that. And that just happens to be me. It intrigues me. So I order it. This is Saturday morning, 24 hours later. Yesterday, it's delivered to the house. What? 
Honest to God, it, it's delivered. Isn't that amazing? Ha- you know, I mean, it's Amazon Prime, so it's yeah. free delivery. So this book comes within twenty four hours. Now, I, there's there's no. I could have gone to every bookstore in Milwaukee, and I'm confident that I would have not found the paperback version of this book on the shelf. Now, you could have ordered and stuff, but and and it's it's there within a day. And I'm sitting there thinking. How did they have? <laughs> th- th- I mean, seriously. I mean, yeah, how, no, that's I mean, incredible. I, I actually, understand, I understand you've got you know in Kenosha they've got these huge you know miles and miles of acres and acres of like Amazon warehouse and stuff. But this is an obscure history book about France, you know, in the German occupation. It's not. My my guess is there's not too many people in any given year that are going to be ordering it, and yet it's in stock. They can find it. They can pull it. They can get it in the delivery truck, and so by, you know, yesterday afternoon, it is at my door. Yeah. So I mean, so obviously when you ordered from Amazon, you knew it would be there by tw- in 24 hours, yeah, right? Said, but then yeah. you were still surprised when it came in 24 hours. Well, well, I wasn't necessarily surprised, but I was just—I guess I was surprised that they could get it yeah. in 24 hours. It's pretty you know, remarkable, you, right? You, I would think that okay, this again—it's—it's—it's it's not like it's something on the New York Times bestseller list that they're selling a lot of. It's—they can't sell too many of these, mm-hmm. but yet they were able to find it, get it into a truck, and get it to my house. You know, within 24 hours, it's just, and and I guess the the larger point is that it, I, how, how are, how are brick and mortar stores going to be able to compete with that? You know, it's interesting you say that because I ordered uh, two books this weekend and I went to a local brick and mortar shop because I know I could have gotten it on Amazon paperback. I got, could have gotten it used for a few bucks, but I wanted to shop local and I did that. And I think that's maybe how they'll survive, but I don't know how often I would do that if I could find it for two, three dollars online. Yeah, a used version, and I'm good with that. Uh, yeah, see, and I, I I'm always torn by this because I agree mm-hmm. exactly with you're talking about it. I like to support the local businesses and stuff. I, I love our local hardware store, and we, we do that. I love the local restaurants and things like that. But there, there's a convenience factor. And, I mean, I know this is an obscure book. I know it's not like I can go down to the area bookstore and, hey, this is number one on the New York Times bestseller. I'm not, I know I'm not going to find it. Mm-hmm. And, and yet with, like, two clicks, oh, interesting. You read the reviews. Yeah, do you want to buy it now? Yes, buy it now. And then, you know, a day later, it's there. It was interesting. After I bought this book and I ordered it, and they said, we don't have it in, but we have it. You know, it's in stock. We'll get it from somewhere else. It'll be in on Wednesday. But I knew if I ordered on Amazon, I could have it the next day. But I still, I, I mean, I still ordered and, it locally. And right. it would be, and they would deliver it to your house, right? Exactly. You're going to have to go back and pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. It's hard to beat that. Yeah, it, it is. Okay. I, I want to I want to open up the phone lines. One segment, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I am, of course, as a fan of pop culture and I'm I, and and an observer of business and, and business trends. I, I think there's a lot of us who, again, want want to support local businesses and things of the like. And I do understand that for things like clothing, for example, you know, you you want to you want to see how something looks. You might want to try it on to to see you know how how it fits because something that you know you see you know w- with the model and the catalog or on the internet you know by the you get it and it's not the right color or it just doesn't fit right and things like that so i understand when it comes to certain items that you need to touch and feel and try on i i understand why you know there, there's always going to be a demand for going to the, the store and and seeing them the brick and mortar store but for things for example like like books <sighs> I mean, is is there going to be a role 
for stores like like books or you know you, the, the traditional record stores are, are gone now but 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line i just and I'm not proud to predict this, but as more and more people get comfortable with online shopping and the convenience of online shopping, it's just it's there. You're on your computer. You hit that button and the next day it, it's there. You don't have to get in your car. You don't have to drive to the brick and mortar store. I just I, I think that it's going to be tougher and tougher and tougher for stores like bookstores and the like to to make a go of it. There's always going to be grocery stores. I mean, I understand that you can have the online shop, but there's always going to be grocery stores, the clothing stores and things like that I get. But places like bookstores, are, are they going to exist other than, you know, it's like specialty shops where some people like to go and just kind of browse around? Are, are the, the big chains, are they going to be able to exist five years from now, 10 years from now? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And do you find your buying habits have, have changed dramatically just because of the convenience, the price guarantees, all those things? I know mine have. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Now, we were just, during the commercial break, I was reading the advertisement for my, my friends at Built Right Furniture. Well, you know, for a furniture store, you're always going to want the brick-and-mortar store. You're going to, you want to buy a mattress, you're going to go lay on the mattress. Um, you want to buy a sofa or you want to buy a reclining chair, you're, you're going to, you're going to want to sit in it and see how it feels and, and look at the exact color and figure out how it's going to fit in your living room or your den or, or whatever. But for, for things that are ubiquitous, like, like books and stuff, I, I don't know. W- will there still be a demand for those brick and mortar type of stores? Let's start with John in Milwaukee. Hi, John. Hi, John. Hi, uh, how you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think yeah, about this? Yeah. Uh, I ordered obscure things as well from Amazon, and I was really surprised. I ordered a German Christmas album back in the 1960s, and they had it. Yeah. And I was so surprised, and I, I sent for it, and I got it. But then I also ordered a uh, bottle of barbecue sauce that was made right now. I mean, it's the current item from a restaurant. Okay. And the price of the, so- the, price of the sauce um, I thought was quite high. So I called the actual restaurant. I found their website, and I got on their website. And for the same price as one bottle of barbecue sauce, I got all three of their sauces, mm-hmm. three bottles, plus a grill kit with a tong and a flipper and a yeah. scrubber. Yeah. So all you do have to shop around. Yeah. So so you have to shop. No, thanks. So I mean, you do you do have to <laughs> shop around. No, I, I I you do have to shop around, and I guess. And but again, you're talking about you're doing your shopping, John, you know, on the Internet. You know, that's you're you're not going over to the grocery store and, and trying to find out. I, I'm trying to think there. I, I, there's a specialty kind of coffee I like that comes from the Cafe du Monde in New Orleans. And so I, I do I, I order the stuff. I order the stuff through them via via Amazon. So I don't go to the Cafe du Monde website. I, I can get it just by going onto Amazon and they have it. Maybe I'm paying a little bit more money. But, but the only reason I'm doing that is because it's a specialty brand of coffee I like, presumably like that, that barbecue sauce. Would I 
If it was just like routine stuff, would I order it through Amazon? No. I mean, I'm probably going to go to the pharmacy or I'm going to go to the, to the grocery store and buy those type of things. But again, this is, this is an obscure sort of book. Jeff, I've been an Amazon member since 2001. I would say I do 95% of my shopping from them. I'll never look back with next day arrival and the fact that you can nearly get everything you need. Most of my shipping is next day and free. You know, why would I drive out and, um, you know, um, you know, find uh, and fight crowds. Jeff, my toaster died this morning. The new one is being delivered tomorrow. It, it is. It is the amazing things. Jeff, I, I don't see how they're going to survive. From personal experience, it costs more at a Barnes & Noble to order a book for local pickup than ordering it by mail from um, um, other things on the Internet. The business model doesn't make any sense to me. Um, yeah, it's, I guess, and you, you want to support the local business. And I, by the way, I always feel a little bit bad when, when I do this because you, you want to see the local businesses and you want to see them stay in business and things like that. But on the flip side, there, there is this convenience factor. And I admit sometimes, like I was saying earlier when I was talking to Melissa, I'm, I'm not a shopper. I'm, I'm a buyer. Maybe there was a point in my life where I'd say, gee, I'd really, it would be kind of fun to, you know, go into a bookstore, for example, or a record store back when they still had record stores. And just, I'm going to take a half hour. I'm going to kind of wander up and down the, the aisles and I'm going to see what intrigues me. There was a certain point in my life where maybe I did that. I, I, that's not where I am right now. Right now it's like, oh, this looks interesting. Um, I, I don't want to spend hours of my life searching for this particular book because I'm not sure it's that interesting. But, you know, if I can get it with a couple keystrokes and, and a click and my credit card being charged and I get it the next day, then, then I'm all set. I guess, um, though, the thing that that really that that really caught my attention was how this is spreading because I would have typically expected, okay, this is this obscure book. You know, it's seven years old. It, it Nobody probably buys it. I'm surprised it's still in print, but not only is it in print, they've got a paperback edition of it and they can get it to me tomorrow. It's going to be one of the challenges for stores like that moving forward. And I, I just, just like you see things like newspapers going the way of the dodo bird, just like, you know, blockbuster video has essentially disappeared except for that one store in Washington state. You know, it's, it, it's just, Things change, and I think you're going to start to see, you know, more and more and more of that stuff happen. And for those of us who hate to see that change, well, in some respects, you know, we we are our own worst enemies because I'm just as guilty of it as I'm 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 hitting. I want that book. Boom! I can get it in thirty seconds, and then it arrives at the house. And then my wife says, "You bought another book?" I say, "Well, yeah." I mean, I keep thinking, honey, of all the different things I could be buying, I think books aren't aren't the worst thing. Uh, when we come back, we're going to see what uh, John and Melissa have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.